You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast. Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 44 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson. If you wanted to offshore to the Philippines, where would you start? How would you go about it and why would you do this in the first place? I asked Michael Hagen of Mike's Business Tours to walk us through the process, to give us an idea of what offshoring to the Philippines could look like. My first question to Mike is, what is the difference between outsourcing and offshoring? Here's Mike. They're sort of related in the same way. Outsourcing is when you give a process uh, to a third party and you just get back a result. Now, you can outsource in your own country, you can outsource up the road, or you can outsource overseas. For instance, most small businesses in Australia outsource their accountancy work to an accountant. So they give the accountancy accountants their raw data and the accountants uh, run their processes and just give them back the result. Generally speaking, you don't know who's doing the work, which is fine, and that can be done for overseas. Offshoring is when you get work done overseas, and there's a whole lot of different ways around doing that. So offshoring started 25 years ago when the large corporates outsourced, and they went to cheap countries, and they did initially voice and then later data and back back office processes. And... um, that was outsourcing. They, uh, a third party got in the middle because they didn't want to incorporate in those countries, and, and, and a corporate outsourcer became the big norm in the offshoring industry. The industry moved along, and 25 years ago, it's changed a long time to today. The internet's allow and cloud-based solutions have allowed small businesses to now be involved in offshoring. And about 10 years ago, a new couple of new models emerged. One was the home-based person, freelancer. And the other one was co-managed space where you could have your own people in your own space. So today, most small businesses in in a Western world have the choice of using a freelancer at home, um, which is good for small people. They have the choice of using co-managed space and building a team. And they go to the office every day, which is by far the most productive way of doing it. They have a source. They have a choice of using a specialised service to run the processes for them, which is the old-fashioned outsourcing model. Today, I actually own nine businesses in three different countries. I'm basically semi-retired. I don't work in any of those businesses at all. I actually live in the Philippines. I live in the middle of all of this happening here. And I've lived here for five or six years now. I've been operating, employing Filipinos for about 15 years. And over the time, I've actually learned how to go about engaging services and people in the Philippines and how to extract the best productivity out of them. And and an observation is that probably 50% of the Western businesses offshoring get it wrong. All sorts of things happen. They get a a bad idea, a bad idea about it. They call it outsourcing, but it's not really. It's offshoring probably. And I run a business tour. It teaches how to do it and what to do and what not to do. So today I sit in the middle of it. I still have my businesses offshoring, so I'm a practicing person. I practice what I preach and I help people do it. If somebody is thinking of going to the Philippines, what different options do they have? Well, you don't actually have to go to the Philippines. You can do it online, but you need to learn what you're doing before you do it. But look, there's seven different options altogether. But for most SMEs in the Western world, you have the choice of hiring freelancers at home 
Freelancers at home are good if you're going to hire one full-time person or some specialised little service, maybe a a part-time webby or something like that, an individual person that doesn't have to work with co-workers to, to learn what they're doing. They can be a good solution for that, but it's unreliable often. Internet connections are an issue. Working from home is a challenge for some people. And reliability is, is an issue. But you can you can get some good people, but it's, it's it's you can also have a lot of failures in there as well. One thing it's definitely not good for is building a team. And to be honest with you, most SMEs, small, medium enterprises in the West require tacit knowledge to grow their business. Tacit knowledge comes from putting everybody together in an office space and sharing knowledge. To this very day, the very large operators in the world, Google and Apple and all those people and Facebook, they have all built amazingly big office buildings and are putting all their people together in office space. We still need to put our workers together in common space so they can share everything, develop tacit knowledge, learn off each other and push productivity. So that brings you to the second choice, which is co-managed or sometimes now called staff leasing. Co-managed is a process where you... Uh, go to a Philippine incorporated company that's got like office space. Think like serviced offices. They've got office space. They've got big general areas that people sit in or they've got little private uh, office spaces that you can have your people in. They supply a desk. They supply the computer. They also supply the legal entity for the employment of that uh, of the Filipino person and the HR services that go with that, and they all help with recruitment in one way or the other, some to a large extent, some to a minor extent. And you can, using that, you can hire, and mainly only full-time people, unfortunately, but you can start building your team from one and ramp it up to any number you like or ramp it down accordingly. And, Mike, we visited these offices together when I came on your tour in 2014, and there you can actually specify where you want your staff to sit. Some companies have different rooms with some print readers or special security. And some of the offices have the logo of the company in there. And some even have live cameras in there where you can see the offices in Australia and the office in Australia can see the people in the Philippines to create a little bit of this tacit knowledge. But of course, you know, it doesn't replace being in one room, but these cameras create a little bit of a feeling. Yeah, indeed. So this is your your people in your space under your direction doing exactly the way you want it to do. So if you're able to train or teach people in your own country that what you want them to do, get them with certain skills and then train them up your way of doing it, that's the big advantage with the co-managed space. You know, four years ago you came on my tour. I've got to tell you, it's changed a lot. You're, we're seeing a hell of a lot more private spaces, a lot more little teams in private spaces from five and up. And, of course, obviously, this offshoring is exploding. And the whole idea of building your own team and connecting them with your own office there, running it like a branch office, selecting people with a wide skill set, absolutely amazing wide skill set, from just graduates who have got the fundamentals through to now experienced people. This offshoring industry is quite getting mature now. We're now getting high-end people that really know what they're doing. For instance, fully Australianized accountants are fairly common now in the Philippines. I'm seeing some amazing businesses. We had one on tour decide to train high graduates and fully Australianise them. He's up to 800 accountants working for Australian businesses now and growing. He'll easily go to 5,000. The numbers are astonishing and the skill sets are astonishing. But, you know, you, you hire them with the skill set that you need. Uh, I think you have to understand that they don't understand Australia. They don't understand the fundamentals of Australia and certainly don't understand the specifics of Australia in most cases. And as long as you Australianise them or, or to your own country, Americanise them, whatever you need, 
you can end up with a brilliant team. Average wage, probably 130 Australian dollars a week. Uh, cost is probably in the order of probably $1,500, $1,700 a month all up. That includes the office space and the computers and the management, everything. That can, that, that $1,500 to $1,700 is an all-up cost of absolutely everything per seat that you've got up here. And that's uh, saving, and it's a, a great way to, to grow your business and duplicate it. With staff leasing, the Philippine company provides the legal entity. It takes care of all the employer-related legal proceedings, making sure it complies with Philippine employment laws, and it takes care of the building, the real estate, etc. So the only thing it doesn't do is the actual supervision of the staff and the training of the staff. Is that right? Well, yeah, they do supervision from an HR point of view. Industrial relations laws in, in the Philippines are actually stricter than Australia, except the ones here are very common sense. In America, in Australia, there's no common sense in them because there's too many of them. But here there's one set of rules, very strictly enforced. So they do the HR so that if you've got uh, – they make sure the staff comes to work. They make sure the staff's not going to sleep. If the staff member appears to be doing nothing, they'll call you up and say, listen, letting you know that your staff member looks like they've got nothing to do. You need to know that. They'll, they'll do uh, – and then if you've got a problem with your staff member performance-wise, then you refer to them and they'll step in and do that. So they do the, the HR management of the person, but they don't have anything to do with the actual work. The actual work is yours. And that brings us to security because one of the good things about co-managed or staff leasing is you can really bring your security down to better than what you get in Australia. So you can do everything here. It's not unusual, particularly when people are near financial numbers, it's not unusual to have completely your own uh, lock space with biometrics to get in and out, uh, removal of uh, mobile phones before they came in, the devices all locked down, all USBs um, shut off, access to most uh, websites shut off as well. Those things are very easy to do here. And all of the certification standards for security in Australia are very, very commonly enforced here as well. I would actually say that Providing you ask for it and you set it up because it is up to you as to what you want, you will get better security here for your data in the Philippines than you will in Australia. There are very special government-zoned areas here where it's actually reasonably easy for you now to set up and incorporate a company. And believe it or not, incorporating a company in the Philippines is extremely different than Australia. In mainland Philippines, it could possibly take you six months to incorporate a company. In these special zones, you can incorporate a company in probably 12 weeks. These special zones allow you to have 100% foreign ownership, but you still need some fair numbers to make it economical because of a whole lot of background infrastructure issues. So you probably need to have 20, 25 people. So if you're going to come here and you're growing over 25 25 30-odd people, and you've started with the right provider, it's actually quite easy for you to move them out into your own incorporated space. The fundamental numbers are they'll all up. These are all up costs, not wages, costs, or anything else. This is total cost, including the infrastructure, computers, management, setting up, and everything. It's going to cost you probably $12, 10 to $12 an hour using a co-managed space, and that'll be reduced to about $6 an hour if you incorporate, but you need to have 25, 30 people to do it. So one of the other options is incorporation. To incorporate, you need to do, you need 25 or 30 people. You probably need two or three years experience here, and you, you definitely need, you need to have built a, a Filipino middle management team 
to make sure that it all runs properly before you do it. Don't grab them at the last minute as you set it up. So you've got to come in here, use the co-managed space to help you up, build your team up, build your experience up, build your numbers up, then incorporate and move back and out, and then your costs will drop right back down. That's become quite easy in the last few years. So these are the free economic zones, Philippines economic zones. I think they're called PISA or so, aren't they? No, PESA is a different system. PESA is very different. PESA can only be done in mainland Philippines. And to really, to be honest with you, in many ways, PESA is a disadvantage to foreign owners in some ways, mainly because PESA has a lot of rules and regulations and gives you tax relief on profit. Most of you, if you're setting up your own operation, are only going to charge your Philippines operation through it, uh, probably cost plus 10% or something like that. So your profit is actually going to be fairly minimal. Therefore, PESA doesn't give a return on it. No, these are... These are freeport zones, special economic freeport zones, which are different again. They're much, much better than PESA. But, you know, anybody that wants to do this, I invite them to just have a chat with me. I'm more than happy to do it. I spend all day, every day, yucking on Skype, phone calls, explaining how to do it, what to do and what not to do. It is quite easy to do, but it is something you probably need to delve into, probably if you know that you're going to go more than 25, 30 people. You want to just come back to co-managed space and work out for people to be better than your competitors. And that's really the real advantages of using the Philippines own. The one disadvantage of staff leasing is that you can't take your people out. If you train them, they continue to be the legal entity's staff, the Philippine company's staff. You can't take them with you, etc. They stay there. No, no, that's incorrect. About half the providers will allow you to do that. The other half won't. I see. If you're open about where you're ultimately going, the providers will, a lot of the providers, and I can certainly introduce the providers that will allow you to take your staff with you. They'll actually help you encourage, they'll help you assist to incorporate or move. Where they all have a bit of a problem is if you try and change from one provider to the other. These ones will help you if you want to grow and then incorporate and move out. They'll help you do that. Most of them have a problem if you're going to jump from one provider to the other. They have an issue with that and hold the staff back. But, no, if you're going to grow and incorporate and move out, no, you can do that. About half of them will let you do that. The other half will restrict it. So you just need to be open with your long-term plans with your provider and check your conditions accordingly. So it's just a question that needs to be asked when, when one chooses a provider, whether one can move the staff to free economic zone at some stage later when the operation is big enough. Well, you should start in a free economic zone. If you're going to grow, the trick is to start in a free economic zone so you can then just move your staff up the road to a suitable place. There's a bit, there's a bit more to it. It's probably harder to, harder to cover in a podcast. But look, can I take you back to, to, to co-managed or staff leasing space? Let's talk about people and skills. There's a massive, massive oversupply of qualified accountants, graduates, accountancy graduates coming into the market in the Philippines. The number are enormous. There's no way number they'll, they'll all get jobs. When I first came here, I was quite amazed to discover there's no bookkeepers, and they didn't know any what bookkeepers really were. And we kept asking, got told there's no bookkeepers. It took me a while to work out the reason there's no bookkeepers is that fully qualified accountants are quite happy to do bookkeeping, and anybody who wants bookkeeping simply hires fully qualified accountants to do it. So coming back to your tax processes, to hire people and train them up in your tax processes, you would typically hire a qualified accountant and then train them into, and they'll understand the basics. They'll really will understand the basics because they have an accountancy degree, but will need the specifics of what you're doing and the processes you run, which are fairly easy to, to teach, you know, and I'm seeing a lot of organisations doing that. So getting 
people with the, the basic core skills, and this is a country with 100 million people, put some numbers around this. This country, uh, just 500 years ago, the Spanish uh, colonised this company and gave them Christianity. It is the only Christian-based country in the whole of Asia. 88, 94% of this country are devout Christians, 88% are Catholic. The reason I raise that is it gives them the same core values as us. We have the same sense of humour. We have the same public holiday dates in, in general. So a lot of things line up because of the Christianity. 120 years ago, this country became an American colony. The Americans arrived here and they uh, gave them English, made English compulsory, gave them a compulsory education system. So they have a 90.7% literacy rate in this country, 94% literacy rate, literacy rate. All of them are educated in English compulsory. This is now the third largest English-speaking country in the world. They speak with an American accent. They speak with an American accent. And then they have an American education system. The Americans did a brilliant job on that. Now, that's one of our challenges. Our challenges have got nothing to do with the Philippines or Asia. Our challenges are actually that they're fully Americanised and we need to Australianise them. Once we overcome that, then they're a brilliant resource for us. Same time zone as Western Australia, so that they line up beautifully. The industry employs 1.4 million Filipinos. So it's a huge industry. So 1.4 million Filipinos in the Philippines are working for Western businesses. 75% of those are working for American businesses. So 75% start at 10 o'clock at night and finish 5 o'clock in the morning. We roll into town and go, well, we're Australian. We want you to start at 6 o'clock in the morning and finish at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're the flavour of the month. So it's very easy for us to get staff being Australian, and we're we're very good employers as well. So that's the fundamentals, the basics. Now, add to that the fact there's a massive oversupply of accountants coming out of the college system. This is really good basic core skills that you need to to, to be able to service your customers at a better price, probably service your customers with a lot more services than the others can do and get a real competitive advantage in your market. That's really the, the big advantage of the Philippines is not just cost. You can do a lot more for your customers and really become a forceful thing in the, in the market. I can tell you now that there are literally hundreds and hundreds of Australian accountancy firms that have got their back office services now in the Philippines. Uh, some of them have done it direct through staff leasing. Some of them have done it through specialised services. But I'm seeing it every day. I run this tour. I've had 450 people on tour. Of the 450 people I've had on my tour, just over 150 of them, 140 of them are, have been accountants. So it's very, very common for whole accountancy work to be done here. Tax work would be so easy, it's not funny. In fact, tax work is being done here. Could you tell me what the difference is between staff leasing and seat leasing? Okay, staff leasing is when you, you lease the space and a computer and the, the staff member, and they're employed by the uh, legal entity of the Philippine company. Seat leasing is when you just lease the seat and you supply your own legal entity for employment. The reason you do the latter is if you have a legal obligation to your clients, not so much the government, to your client. If you have a contract with your clients that you're not going to outsource anything, what you can do is you can register a Philippines company as a branch office of your Australian company, uh, but you don't have to do the payroll or any of that stuff. You can go to a seat lease or provide all the space, the HR and the recruitment area. They'll use your legal entity for the employment and cover off. I've done that several times now. 
Can't really share with who, but very, very similar to the industries you're talking about often do this to negate some of the legal obligations. So this enables the accountancy firm in Australia to say to their clients that all accounting and tax work is done by employees of the accounting practice. Absolutely. That's why you would do that. And that's exactly why you do it. If you register a branch office in the Philippines of your Australian company, you're able to look them straight in the eye and say, all of these people are employees of this company. And that is correct. What you didn't say is they're all in this country or not. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not a common practice. I haven't done it. You know, I've brought hundreds and, or I've said 450 people on tour. I've only probably done it half a dozen times that we've done this. And generally it's been because of contractual obligations more than it is for, more than it is any government issues. Look, the government stuff is quite interesting. There's a lot of high-level security, government, Australian security stuff being done here. I've got to tell you now that so security is not the issue that they think it is. If you're going to incorporate, only do that in the special freeport economic zones, for sure. There's no doubt about that. But you're still going to need to use co-managed space to get you started because the other two factors you need to make it successful is a good middle management, Filipino management team. And you need to do that over prove that over time before you step out and incorporate as such. And, but yes, look, doing staff uh, seat leasing in co-managed in, or co-managed space or seat leasing or staff leasing, you do it in the economic zone only on particularly if you're going to grow to more than 25 or 30 people because then you have the opportunity to dramatically reduce your costs in your own incorporated body. Whether that incorporated body is via Australia or via the Philippines, it makes very little difference to what you're doing. It's just a, a structure. And, in fact, there's another structure that you normally commonly put in the middle. If you're going to do it with a other another way is to, to use a Hong Kong or Singapore company in Australia who choices to do it with a Hong Kong company. It's reasonably common for Australian businesses that are going to incorporate in the Philippines or use some sort of either Australian or Philippine incorporated, or sorry, to incorporate in the Philippines, to use Hong Kong as a middle. So they incorporate a company in Hong Kong, and then the Hong Kong company is the incorporated body in the Philippines. It gives a lot of good legal protection, which is the main reason for doing it. It's very, very good for asset protection and legal protection, but it has a small tax advantage in that you're able to retain or hold profits in Hong Kong and, and release them down into Australia when you want to. So you can, it's one of the tax channels. That it doesn't negate tax by any stretch of the imagination. As all of your clients will understand fully that once you're in Australia residence, you pay tax at the rate, no matter where you earn it in the world. But you can uh, control it a little bit by having another entity in the middle. But particularly, the big, I think the big advantage is that you, that you have the opportunity is asset protection and legal protection uh, flowing through to your real assets in Australia. That, that's pretty handy as well. We went to a free economic zone together. You took us to Clark, which is just an hour north of Manila. That was very interesting. We, I think we stayed in the Hotel Los Angeles. We, we don't stay there anymore. We actually stay in a, a, a new five-star hotel called Midori, which is a, which is a lot better on base. But, uh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. We, we used to stay rather an interesting hotel in Angeles. But it was very interesting, yes. Um, it was quite an eye-opener. But so we went to Clark. Could you just quickly run through the other free economic zones that are there? I think there's an island called Cebu or so that's also a free economic zone or has a free economic zone. Oh, uh, look, there's a whole range of different types of zones all through the whole of the Philippines. There's economic zones and there's freeport zones. The best one of the whole lot by far is the freeport zone in Clark. The main reason for that is that it's bigger than all the others. Uh, it's got 
virtually no corruption. It has very, very easy access to Philippine services, and they've sped all those things up. It has special visas, special tax arrangement. It has its own extremely large international airport. So Clark is by far the best way of doing this. There are a whole lot of other factors involved in it here. Uh, wages are lower. Now, Cebu is not an economic zone. Cebu's another city that the Philippines government are trying to push this industry to. The Philippines government has a, a small issue with this offshoring industry. It's grown too large in Manila. Understand Manila is a massive city. Manila has a population of 20 million people. It virtually has the whole of Australia inside one city. And in Manila, there are six distinct areas where offshoring occurs. These are specialised areas where they've encouraged it uh, with their tax systems and everything else. But it's causing an infrastructure overload here. And uh, Manila is like a lot of um, brain-drained cities in the world, you know, Sydney, New York, London, etc. Manila is one of those cities where wages are higher, costs are higher. The workers come from remote areas and come here, uh, the smarter ones do, but they find, because they're lured by the higher wages, but find their overheads and everything is, is different. So as in Australia, I'd probably argue that Sydney has a different attitude of workers than probably the rest of Australia. The same applies here. Wages in Clark are almost half of what they are in Manila. So there's a massive difference in wages. Staff turnover is dramatically lower. And there are, as I said, there's, within the Freeport zones, there's a whole lot of specialists. They, they are designed specifically for us to operate. So they, they've set them up in a way to overcome a lot of the normal problems that the Philippines have. And, and I'm talking about corruption and all those type of issues. You don't get those issues in the Freeport zone at Clark. They, they've, they've really managed to avoid having them happen then. So it's a good piece to offer. So the advantages of a free port zone like Clark, A, it's much easier to incorporate a company. B, the um, government tries quite hard to get the infrastructure up to speed. And then what are the other advantages of free port zones? Oh, 100% foreign ownership. Lower wages, more stable, no corruption, very nice place to live. The free port itself is very a pretty little place with very secure area, no crime, or no crime, uh, virtually no corruption, uh, lower wages. Everything lines up as this is a much better place to operate as compared to, say, Manila, because Manila is just a big city where everything's dearer, staff attitudes are different, staff turnover in Manila is quite high. The industry average for staff, for Turnover of staff in Manila is running at 60%. That's the published, acknowledged industry average of staff turnover. It's In Clark, it's a lot lower than that, an awful lot lower than that. And wages are lower as well. There's a whole lot of different factors why you want to go to Clark. They all line up. They really do. So, But, you know, it depends on what you want. You need to chat to somebody like me. Uh, I do IT infrastructure are different in the cities. You need to talk to me about that. There are some small reasons why you'd go to Manila, but they're very specialised and very niche. And, and I'm happy to chat to anybody about which those to work out which is the best place for them to be. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think to enter Clark, you actually have to go through a checkpoint. So it's limited who can access the Freeport zone. It's not just anybody can drive in and drive out, which I guess keeps crime at bay. Exactly. So Clark used to be the Clark Mil USA military base. Clark was the largest military base outside of the USA. And as a military base, it has a massive great fence around it. And then this is a huge area, absolutely monstrous area. And it only has three gates, three points of entry. They're very, very controlled. It has a massive great international airport in the middle of it, quite a large town or small city around it. 
and it's controlled. So everything inside there is completely controlled, and that's how they managed to keep crime out of it. That's how they managed to control corruption as opposed to the mainland Philippines, and that's why they have their special tax incentives and everything else. We looked at freelancers working from home. We looked at staff leasing. We looked at seat leasing. We looked at free economic ports or free economic zones. And then there is one option which is more for larger corporations, which is BPO, business process outsourcing. And that's basically where you outsource the entire process and you just get a result. Whereas with seat leasing and staff leasing, it's like you have another employee he or she or that team just happens to be somewhere else. I prefer to refer it as corporate outsourcing. So corporate outsourcing was the model that started 20, 25 years ago. It's still the largest player, but it's only really suitable for large corporates. Having said that, the big four Australian accountancy firms, uh, big three, I think it is now, four, whatever number it is, they have extensive numbers up here and have them in their own their own entities. They don't use outsourcing at all. You know, Ernst Young, I think, have about 4,200 at the moment. P, PwC have about 5,000, I think it is, um, here. There, there's serious numbers in some of these big firms here. Mm. Uh, but they do that in their own – they do that like co-managed. They're doing they, – well, doing it with their own legal entity. Once again, they have their own people in their own space trained to do it their way. The big four's entities, are they sitting in Manila directly or are they sitting in one of the free zones in Manila? also spread, but yes, they're basically in Manila. The reason they're there, that's where they started years ago, and the other places didn't exist years ago. So they, because they started there, that's where they are, but they have spread into other areas as well. Through Everybody's trying to decentralize out of Manila. To talk about a little bit about culture differences, whilst they are Christian and English-speaking They're still an Asian country, so there's a saving face culture. It's not hard to work with. It's probably easier than the other country. But they have a massive, massive family focus, which is a really good thing, but it's a bit of a pain in work situation sometimes. You need to understand it, to work with it, and not push against it. And if you understand that, these are wonderful, wonderful workers. So you do need to align yourself to the culture of differences as well. But look, All the good staff leases will, will handle that smoothly with you. It's something you need to understand. I prefer to have an expat watching the operation. They can be in Australia or up here. It doesn't make any difference. Watching the operation. And I do like Filipino directly managing Filipino. I think because of some of the culture issues, that's a better way to go. But I'm happy to also talk those things as well. So culture issues need to be dealt with as well. Otherwise, you'll find that you'll turn over staff a bit more than most people and a few other things will go wrong. So you need to adjust a little bit for the culture. So you have an Australian operations manager, but then you have a Filipino Managing the HR side. Well, no, you manage, well, not the HR. Yeah, that's right. But the staff lease is going to do that for you anyway. Look, I think once you get over about five people, you need to have like a team leader who's actually managing the work as well. So you need a team leader managing the work, who's managing the people in the work. If there's any issues, the Filipino directly talks to Filipino. But you need an expat, definitely need an expat who knows every name, every birth date, every family situation, who's overseeing the whole operation. As I said, that expat doesn't have to be here. It's very mixed. Half the operations here have expats here. The other half don't. And I've never seen much difference between them. So it's, the, you know, the jury's out on which is the better way to go. And everybody's got a different opinion, but I, I don't see much difference. Expat overseeing the operation, knowing who everybody is. Filipino managing Filipino seems to be the most productive combination you can develop. 
it. I think the industry is only going to get bigger and bigger. I think automation is certainly coming. There's no doubt that uh, Zero and there's many, many other automators as well, but not just Zero. But in New Zealand, they're automating the tax side of it very quickly. I'm well aware of that. But we still think that if you train a Filipino's team uh, up and you get them uh, into the customer service side of things as well, you can still need your human beings in there for the face-to-face, and you can do that from here and you can increase it up. So I think your industry is undergoing two squeezes at the moment, one squeeze from automation, the other squeeze from, from offshoring. If you don't take up both, you're going to end up in trouble. So I think from a business point of view, you need to deal with both to make yourself competitively viable in the industry. Welcome back. So there are seven ways to offshore to the Philippines. You can engage a freelancer working from home or you can start with staff or seat leasing. The fourth option is to engage a specialized provider like an IT agency or an accountancy firm. You can try to incorporate a normal company, but that seems to be a really painful exercise, according to Mike. Or the sixth option is to incorporate a company inside a special zone, which apparently is much easier, but only economical once you reach about 30 seats, based on Mike's experience. And the last option is corporate business process outsourcing, corporate BPO. Let me just quickly tell you about an example of the corporate BPO I have seen. When I was on Mike's tour, I watched a young woman sitting in front of a screen in a huge office. She was looking at parcels moving slowly on a conveyor belt in a mail distribution center in Australia. The screen showed her the address the scanner had picked up, and she then compared this to what she could see being actually written on the parcel. She only needed to act if the machine had made a mistake, otherwise she would just let it pass. And that's all she did. So that is an example of a corporate BPO, a process fine-tuned to the smallest detail. For most of us, corporate BPO or incorporating a normal entity doesn't make sense. Instead, we should probably start with one or two freelancers working from home or staff leasing and then work our way up to our own entity in a special zone if that is what we need, or maybe a specialist provider. In the next episode, episode 45, Manoj Abishindani of Online SMSF Audit will talk about online SMSF auditing software. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.